0: Uh, all right, we have sound. Good morning, everybody. Uh, I, am, I am blessed this morning to be able to bring the word. And uh, if, if you've never seen me do this before, uh, I tend to bring stuff with me. And so I brought stuff with me. See? It's just standard Daniel stuff. Uh, and I wanted to talk to this morning about something that I believe is really prevalent in our society, And as much as you want to say, it's not prevalent and, and everywhere in our church body. It is. And it's just the idea of offense. We get offended a lot. I mean, just a lot. It just happens all the time. For instance, I could just say one word and offend a certain group of people. Want to see me do it? Watch this. Trump. <laughs> Some people are going to like that. Some people are, it causes division. I, I could say lots of different words that might offend, and I don't want to try to do that today, because the whole idea is to not be so easily offended, uh, if you want to be happy, if you want more happiness in your life, try to get offended less. If you want to get more happiness in your life, try to be offended less. Try to become unoffendable. If you're unoffendable, then nothing's going to go with you because offense is an action, okay? Offense is something that happens. Being, off- being offended, that's a choice. Offense is an action. Being offended, is a choice. To to continue to walk along with it, carry it with you all day long, let it fester and grow. You see, the enemy, Satan, has come to steal, kill, and destroy. That is his job. Uh, That is just what he does. And his agenda, his his whole idea, his whole purpose is destruction. But he can't just walk up to you and say, hi, I'm here to destroy you. Because you would be like, no, I don't want to get destroyed. So his His goal is destruction. His tactic is division. He causes division. And the way he does that, the actual thing that he does, is he starts with offense. Offense helps him create division, and division will destroy. We cannot, a united group cannot stand, right? We, We have to be together and united. And every time we're offended by something, it gets a little harder to be united, you remember Jesus telling a story and, and some people asking him uh, about when someone does something wrong to you, your brother does something wrong to you, and, and Jesus kind of gives this answer. He says, remove the plank from your own eye before going after the speck in your brother's. And I always, as a kid, I loved that idea, but then I also was like, how do you fit a plank in your eye? <laughs> I don't get it. Um, and so I, I've done some studying, and, and uh, I, I borrowed this illustration from Stephen Furtick. He's, he's got a lot of good skills of of these types of things. So just in case you've seen something like this before, yeah, I borrowed it. I don't like to use the word stole, I didn't steal it, I borrowed it. Uh, and I'm doing it a little differently. But if you, you get this plank, think of it like this. You're carrying it around your eye like this. To me, I can see just fine, but every time Roy's standing next to me and I turn, I go PAP! And I hit him with it. PAP! And I'm walking around with this plank all day long. This is me. And I'm looking at you and saying, how come you're, why are you offending me? What's this offense? Well, what I need to do is put down the, micro, uh, the magnifying glass and pick up a mirror. Put down the microphone. My, put down the magnifying. I got a microphone on the mind. Magnifying glass and pick up a mirror. Because if we don't look at ourselves, if we don't look back at us and see Christ reflected in us, how are we ever going to get anything else done? Instead, things will grow and they'll, and they'll fester and they'll create a real problem in our lives. Uh, This morning we're going to open up uh, Matthew chapter 5, and this is during the Sermon on the Mount. I know that Pastor David recently did a whole series on the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, I'm just not going to do that. I'm just going to take a little piece here um, where Jesus is kind of laying some wisdom on the people. Uh, Jesus has this ability to take something that maybe you've heard and turn it into the perfect, perfected, fulfilled version of what what he was originally trying to tell us. So you'll see here in Matthew chapter five, he's sitting down and he says, "'You have heard that it was said in in the days of old "'that you shall not murder, "'and whoever murders will be in danger of the judgment.'" So he's just starting with something that everybody knows. Don't murder, pretty simple. You murder, you're gonna get in trouble. And then he's gonna take this to the next level. He says, "'But I say to you "'that whoever is angry with his brother without a cause "'shall be in danger of the judgment. "'And whoever says to his brother, Raka, shall be in danger of the council." Now, I don't know what raka means, but it sounds like a swear word. I'm just, I mean, it's got that hard consonant in there. It just seems it's four letters. Uh, I, I don't like it. It says that if I were to do that, if I were to call my brother a name, I'm not going to say it's necessarily my brother that's sitting in the back, but someone around me, a name, which, to be honest, I have done and will probably do again later today. I mean, and and definitely I've used worse words than raka um, because I don't even know what that means. And, and, And so I'm going, if I'm saying stuff like that to my brother, then that means I'm in danger of judgment, just like someone who's being murdered. So Jesus is saying the sin of murder didn't start with murder. You didn't wake up one day and say, I'm going to murder this person. You know what happened? Probably that person offended you. And then that offense started to cause division. And that division grew and grew and grew and grew and grew until you couldn't take it anymore. And the only thing left over is destruction. And I destroy that person. That's murder. But it started in your heart. Started as a seed in your heart. And it started with an offense. Something offended us. We got to work on being unoffendable. So as Jesus is talking about this and how we should treat our brothers uh, and, and that we don't want to call them names or if we'll be in, in danger of going to hell or going to the council, he even says, whoever says, you fool, shall be in danger of hellfire. I've definitely said more than you fool. I don't know about you guys. I do know about you guys. You said worse than you fool before. Uh, we can't have it. We can't be talking to each other in this way. If there's an anger, if there's an offense, we've got to figure out how to deal with it. It says, therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar your microphone falls off. If you bring your gift to the altar and there, remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there. Go away, leave it there, and go make it right with your brother. When we come to church on Sunday mornings, it's a great time to kind of forget, to kind of walk away from this dirty world and get into worship. But if we're trying to worship and we're trying to come to to the foot of the cross and be fully engaged with God, and we've got a problem with our brother, we need to get that taken care of now. Or as, we, as a pastor used to say, get right tonight, because you've been wrong for too long. Okay? you got to get right tonight. you got to fix this now. It's not something that I go, well, I'm going to see him on Wednesday. I'm, I'm going to go into church. Because you won't be able to engage fully with God as long as you've got something on your heart that's been building from these offenses. Whether you offended him or he offended you, you've got something that needs to be taken care of. And until you do it, you cannot engage fully with God. When Jesus is talking about the, the fire of hell, he's referring to a place. Um, so you may think he's thinking more um, existentially, like eventually we go to hell, there's a hell and that people go there. But there was a place uh, in and around Israel where they used to do human sacrifices. They would sacrifice babies and they would sacrifice people. Was, they, they, had, they had abandoned the practice. But there were altars and there were fires and that, this is where they did these really terrible, terrible things. And so it became their garbage dump. And they would go and they would just throw all their nasty trash and all of that into this place where they used to do this and and the saying was that the fires that were there when they were sacrificing children and doing this stuff never actually went out and as they threw these trash and the stuff on there the, it, it just started to burn and I don't know if you can just think about the smell that would be coming off of a burning pile of trash but what that if you can imagine that for just a minute and then take that and put it in your house because that's what it is it's a burning pile of garbage in your home life if we are still allowing these offenses to take place. Scott's going to bring me up a, a little piece here, um, and we're going to start talking about how to deal with these offenses, about how we can possibly ever get over them, forgive, etc. And as I said, it starts very, very small. And so let's just use the example of people who get married. Okay, and this could, this could be the same thing in a relationship if you were a, uh, your boss and a worker, uh, your son or daughter, your mom or dad, your cousin, your friend, whoever this is. But let's use the, the marriage example. And let's just say that two people met and they dated and the husband was always the life of the party. He, he was really good at just kind of being that guy. He always had something funny to say, uh, et cetera. The wife was more subdued. She, she kind of appreciated that about him. He's, he completes me, right? He's, he's out there, he's, he's flamboyant, he's doing all these things. Uh, Ten years later, the wife isn't quite as big of a fan of the husband's continual talking and going and life of the party. See, the thing that drew you to that person can actually start to drive you away from that person. I used to think, oh, it's so great that, that you know, John is, is talking, and now it's like, John, just shut up. Like, shut up, John. How did it get there? How did this thing that that made us together also drive us apart? And the answer is, is simply this. The closer the intimacy of the relationship, the greater the opportunity. Now, that's a greater opportunity for growth and whatever, also a greater opportunity for destruction. And this is what Satan wants. He wants to start so simply, so simply, with John over here just won't shut up. Shut up, John. And it just... You take that offense, and Satan goes. Yeah, that's really bad. He'll never shut up, Willie. It's gonna be the rest of your life. You're going to wake up to this for the really, and it's it's in there. Now this relationship has started to build its offenses, and these offenses are turning into something. I'll let you figure out what it's turning into. And maybe we've got I don't know a a brother and brother relationship. I'm not going to name any names, but possibly I'm talking about my brother and I. Okay? (laughs) Maybe we have a relationship. And let's just say, I don't know, one of us goes to work for the other one. That might happen. (laughs) And uh, and, and we were just talking about it for months and months before it happened. This is going to be so great. We've got all these plans, and we've got all these things that are going to happen. And then we remember about two weeks in that we're brothers. Forgot about that. Brothers don't always get along. And in fact, it may be for something from 10 years ago, 15 years ago, that just keeps reminding me, that's right, David's kind of a jerk. <laughs> Daniel doesn't always show up when I want him to. And it just dries in there. These relationships are getting built up with offenses. Now, it's, look, I, I can still talk. We can still talk to each other. We still have something going here. But if we don't deal with this and we continue to have these offenses coming into our lives, I, I, it could be literally anything. I, I've done premarital counseling with people, and one of the first things I'll ask them is, how do you do Christmas? Do you do Christmas on Christmas Eve or do you do Christmas on Christmas morning? Do you wear pajamas when you open your presents? Do you get one present on Christmas Eve and the rest of the presents on Christmas morning? Which one is it? Because I promise you, come Christmas, you're gonna have expectations. You're gonna have expectations. And one of the biggest offenses we can have are unmet expectations if we don't figure it out. And this thing that was just so simple Christmas, when are we supposed to open the presents? And let's say, in our husband and wife example, uh, that John always opened them on Christmas Eve, but his wife, Sally, always open them on Christmas morning. So on Christmas Eve, John gets out the presents and starts opening them. And Sally goes, what are you doing? You can't open presents on Christmas Eve. Are you crazy? It's unthinkable. It's unthinkable. That's what happened. And the, and the offense goes in there. Now every time we're going to have a holiday, every time we're going to have a birthday, we're going to wonder, I wonder what she really wants me to do here. And instead of discussing it, instead of going over there and, and figuring out the issue, we just let it build. We let it fester. And this happens with boss employee. This happens with mother, daughter, father, son, and everything in between. These simple, small things. The, the enemy is not going to come up to you and just say, I'm here to destroy. He's going to come up to you and say, did God really say that you couldn't eat of any tree in the garden? Are you sure that's what it is? It's so simple and it's so small. But as it grows and the offense grows, we know what offense came out of that one. Thanks a lot, Adam and Eve. That that things just get destroyed. And and Satan goes, I've done it. I have destroyed. I have accomplished my goal of destruction by, by using my tactic of division, which started with nothing more than an offense. And we're offended by everything right now. I mean, as a pastor, I have to be careful before I post on Facebook. I got to pray up for about 20 minutes before I put something on Facebook because I might not say something that someone likes. And then here comes the comments, and, here go, and they're offended. And they're just, some people are on the internet. I'm not saying you guys, but some people are on the internet and they're just waiting to get offended. It's like that's why they're there. <laughs> they live there to see if I can find something that offends me. And then Facebook and these, these, these companies, they have algorithms that know that's what you want. They know you interact more if I show you something that you hate. So every time you go into your Facebook feed, guess what's going to happen? All these things that offend you. Because when, I, when you see those, you stay on them longer. And Facebook doesn't care about you, and they don't really care about anything but money. And the longer they keep you on their platform, the more money they make. So why not just destroy you with all these offenses? Until we can start to work to become unoffendable, we're going to have this problem. And if we have these problems with each other, if I have this problem with... My brother or my sister that I'm not taking care of, and it's just driving into our lives, and I'm reminded of it constantly. And I just can't believe that she wanted to open the presents on Christmas morning and not Christmas Eve. And and it just drives us crazy. And Satan's sitting there, arms crossed, with a smile on his face, going, Yep, got him again. It's so simple and so dumb and yet so effective. This destruction that God wants to see in the church. And then the church comes in and, and it turns out that when you go to church or you're a part of a church, it's full of people. That's really hard. And it's like, there's people there. Because people are different. And they might get offended. And that's why we see a lot in the scriptures, uh, the descriptions of, of the body of Christ. And, and the, there's, there's hands and there's feet and there's ears. And, and when the ear wants to be a foot, we've got Problems. And so by being united as as a church body, we have to be able to understand that we are different and that not everything needs to offend. Not everything has to be an offense. That we can have relationships with each other and be different and serve in different ways without having this big problem. My dad used to talk about that he he would imagine that if he was to change the carpet in the church, he would have to put it up for a vote. So we'd have to vote on the carpet, because if you just go switch the carpet, someone's going to get offended. And he thought, if I do that, if I say, we've got got three options, we've got orange, red, and blue, Uh, we want everyone to vote, what's most likely going to happen out of 100 people is we're going to get 33, 33, and 33. It's just never going to work out that we're all going to vote for the same thing. But even if it was 90 and 10, that means 10 people are going to be offended when we choose the other one. And as that festers, and as it grows, and we go, oh, I just can't believe they went with that other carpet. I think we should go ahead and split into two churches. We're going to go meet over here instead, and and we'll say, well, what should we call ourselves? And we'll say, we'll call ourselves the Church of the Red Carpet. (laughs) Because that's what separated us, right? Got the Church of the Blue Carpet over there, and the Church of the Red Carpet over here. The uh, carpet, carpet will cause division. And division will cause destruction and offense when given time and given, and given food and, and sleep and rest and air and water will end up becoming offense in our lives. And then I'm going, hey, David, how come we don't play disc golf anymore? Hey, hey honey, how come we don't go to dinner on your birthday anymore? Well, because there's this thing separating us. I can't, can't get to you anymore because I've built up a fence. And, and who am I? Who am I but a sinner? A sinner who, who accepted an offer of grace from Jesus Christ. The one person, the one person in all of history, in all of time, that could possibly be offended because he gave his life for us, that could possibly be offended, never, ever was And yet here I am, picking these things up and shoving them in my fence. Now, offense is going to happen. Offense is an action. Being offended is a choice. So when offense comes at us, here's what we have to do. Here's what we have to do. You ready? We have to drop it. Oh, David's going to yell at me for that one. Scratch my floors. Were you, were you offended? Do you want you have some offense? Because what we need to do is drop it. Here, I'll get closer. You got to drop it. If we can't drop it, then we're doing this in, on Sunday morning service. And we're trying to sing, you're the God who fights for me. But I'm just getting knocked around by this. I can't, I can't engage because the fence is still here. And that means I've got to, when going to the altar and offering a sacrifice and realizing I have a problem with my brother, I leave it there and I go take care of it right now. Right now. Get right. Tonight, you've been wrong for too long. We got we to take care of it. It's, it's not always going to be easy. I'm not saying that it's going to tickle. I'm going I'm to say this, though. It's going to take that thing that Satan's trying to do, which is divide, and it's going to start to bring you together. It's going to make it so that we are one in Christ. Many who are one. Paul writes in Ephesians, he says this, I think. <laughs> I therefore, a prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called, with all lowliness and gentleness, with long-suffering, bearing with one another in love endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace look at those vocabulary words in this verse in the bond of peace long-suffering endeavoring what does that mean to endeavor it means i'm trying actively trying not to hold on to this that satan has planted so deeply into my life And I have to endeavor to take it out. Not in anger, but in lowliness, in gentleness, in long-suffering. It is only with humility, it is only with the ability to understand what Christ has done for us, that we can go to our brother and finally, after however long, 20 years or 20 minutes, we can finally drop it but until we do until we endeavor until we say i will not remain at the altar with this with this gift until i go take care of this other thing because my i got a garbage fire in my heart and it stinks and you know who lives in my heart jesus lives in my heart he don't like it to stink like that i want my heart to be clean and spick in spain i want to be a temple and Jesus is saying if you're not forgiving your brother, you've got a dumpster fire in your heart. How can we possibly go into the world that is hurting that that builds a, that builds fences all day long, every day, all the time. They don't know Jesus. And we're out there trying to reach out and say Jesus loves you and they look at you and go, you got more fences than I do. Bro. When's the last time you talked to your brother? When's the last time you called your sister? When's the last time well, why not? Oh, I'm busy. Is it because you're busy, or are you still holding on to something? And, I need, and you need to identify it. You have to endeavor. You have to try. And when the time comes that I need to go to my brother and say to him, I was offended. I took offense, and, and I want to clear the air with you. And so I'm going to speak to you now about that. Here's what I didn't just say. You don't walk up and say, I can't worship God because of something you did, and you need to get right, and I'm here for it. No, no, no. we got to speak the truth, but in Ephesians 4, 15, it says this, but speaking the truth in love. <laughs> That's the difference. <laughs> speaking the truth in love that may grow up in all things to him who is the head, Christ, it's the body of Christ, right? from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies according to the effective working by which every part does its share. It causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. Some more vocabulary words there. Let me just break this down for you. We're all different. That's okay. God made us that way. Some of us are going to jump up and down and break their speaker things in their ears, every single song, because that's how God made them. And some people are going to sit and maybe not sing at all, but just raise a hand because that's how God made them. How unfortunate would it be if I were to take offense because I'm trying to get you to jump up and down and you're sitting there with your eyes closed. How dare you not engage the way that I want you to engage? How dare I keep picking up this crap because that's what it is and that's what it smells like <laughs> it ruins it ruins relationships the one thing that god wanted more than anything when he created man in the very beginning was relationship and he looked down on adam and he said it is not good for him to be alone He should be in relationship. And then God walked in the garden and talked with them in the garden and had relationship. And Satan just, ooh, he snuck in there and introduced an offense. God doesn't want you to be as smart as he is. Don't you get it? If you eat that, you're going to become like him. And he doesn't want, aren't you offended that he's trying to keep that from you? Well, yes, as a matter of fact, I think I am offended. The simplest of things, it starts with just a speck. When you're out shopping for furniture, maybe a new desk or something, uh, you know you're always doing well if you go to like an antique store or something and they have solid wood furniture. You know what I'm saying? Solid oak. I want the solid wood furniture. Or you can go online and order from the cheapest place you can possibly find, and it'll come in 7,400 pieces that you then put together. 7,405 pieces? I don't know. And that wood is never solid, it's what we call particle board. Lots of sawdust, lots of little tiny specks that were pressed together over time, adding things like glue and other chemicals, pressing it together over time, it creates a solid, somewhat solid, piece of furniture. That's exactly how a fence works. It doesn't happen all at once. If it happened all at once, we'd see it coming. The husband would stand in front of the wife and say, you will not destroy my marriage. You, sir, trying to destroy my marriage so openly and and outwardly. No, it's gonna come in one speck at a time. We're supposed to open Christmas presents, Christmas Eve. I always, my dad always woke me up in the morning on my birthday and made me pancakes. We've been married 25 years, you've never made me pancakes on my birthday. (laughs) And of course the husband's going, I didn't know that you were wanting pancakes on your birthday. How dare you keep that from me? Ah, now I'm offended. <laughs> offense. It's so easy until you're stuck in a prison, a prison of offense. And now nothing can get to you, and you can't get out to anybody else, and relationship is broken, division starts to happen, which ends in destruction. Remember, his goal is destruction. Destruction. He has come to steal, kill, and destroy. Know who your enemy is. Ask anybody who plays in sports or is, is ever in the military. You don't go into a game uh, thinking you're gonna play soccer and then they pull out a tennis racket and you go, okay, oh I guess that's fine. You want to know what game we're playing before we get there. We're all gonna play tennis or we're all gonna play soccer. We're gonna we're gonna know our enemy so that we know how to combat said enemy. And God has given us this great tool called the Word, called the Bible. And it describes who Satan is. He's a liar. He's a liar. And he's here to steal and kill and destroy your relationships. And God is pleading with us, pleading with us, not to take offense. Become unoffendable. So that when we realize that we're all different, we also realize that we can all be one because we're using long-suffering and patience and kindness and humility. We start to bear with one another. We start to notice each other. We start to say, that's really great. I love that you're all about that and, and that I don't have to do it because I would hate doing it and you're so good at it. We would love that. And in that, we would be united. The truth is, we're different. But the greater truth is, we are all one in Christ Jesus. In Galatians, Paul writes this. He says, therefore, there is neither Jew nor Greek... There is neither slave or free. There's neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Are there males and females? Yes, but not when it comes to this. We are one. We are united. And therefore, what God has put together, let no one separate. Because it starts with division, and it ends with destruction. When you go home today as you're riding home in the car and picking up that fight that you pushed pause on when you were on your way here this morning, think about this. Where do I need to go put it down? How far can I see before I see offense in my life? And then go make it right. Speaking the truth in love, with humility and kindness, that these things may be restored because that is the name of the game for God. He loves to restore relationships, if we will endeavor to engage with him and each other in love. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the ability you've given us to gather together in a place, uh, to have access to neat materials and things that can kind of show us in a little better way exactly what you want from us. We know that your goal is restoration. That the enemy's goal is destruction. And we stand right here today, Father. We pray together against that division. Against defenses. Protect us. Fill our hands up so full with with your Holy Spirit and the blessings and the gifts that we we don't have time or energy or effort to pick up any more offenses. And let us go out and fix these relationships that you have called us to. That our church would be looked at and it would see one body, one body, Christ as the head. Each of us serving in our, in our different areas that you have gifted us for and being so completed and so fulfilled that offense would never come in. You couldn't because of your great love. We thank you for your presence here this morning, Father. We love you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.